This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Welcome everybody to the Planet Microcap Showcase Virtual. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. And for our next keynote presentation, this is a, a this has been two, three years in the making. This might actually have been 10 years in the making because uh, you'll find out in a minute. Uh, my guest today, and this is as part of our series on Planet Microcap podcast called the Microcap Graduation Series. This is actually someone that's done that two times. And he's still a young guy. I mean, look at this guy. He's still a young guy. So, so uh, joining me right now is Hamed Shabazi. He's the chairman and CEO of Well Health Technologies, publicly traded company. The symbol is W-E-L-L on the TSX. Hamed, this is an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. So, uh, you know, I, the way I structured this interview is I wanted to kind of do it in two parts. You know, the, the kind of the background, the the founding and selling of TO to PayPal, the transition to well health, and then getting into some more of the general, you know, all right, what have you learned kind of questions. So to, so, so to start off, you know, what, what is your background? You know, did you, did you know you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, when, I, when I think back to, to my sort of school days in University of British Columbia, I was really tormented by not, want, not exactly knowing what I wanted to do. Um, um, but having a, a really fierce pull into, into business. I mean, my, my parents all had different ideas. My mom wanted me to be a doctor. My dad uh, wanted me to be an engineer because he was an engineer. He was a PhD from Berkeley and he had an engineering consulting firm. And, uh, and, and you know, truthfully, sort of neither of those um, really, really tugged at me very hard, but I, I did end up going to engineering school because I saw it as the shortest path to business. Uh, at the end of the day, um, I wanted to do something creative, um, and I didn't really want to be too pigeonholed to any one sector. And and that 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 was, um, I, I think, in some ways, interesting foreshadowing for the rest of my career, <laughs> because I I I did feel that was good, and it was a good education to go to engineering because you know there's, it's just you know four or five years of solid problem solving, right? And and the process of of problem solving, and and just gives you the confidence to problem solve. And I think. Immediately after that, you know, we we started to see kind of the the, the rise of the internet. Really, I mean, in, in late '90s, um, and and that was enormously interesting for me, and and kind of really pulled me into founding at that time um, the predecessor name to TO Networks with InfoTouch Technologies. So uh, that that that's uh, that's 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 kind of the the road that I went. I mean, look, that's a perfect segue into getting into to that part of your story, you know, and, and I just wanted to make note, you know, as I said, I've been really looking forward to chatting with you. It's been a couple of years in the making because, because in the relatively short time frame, in four years, you know, you had your TO exit and then launching Well Health Technologies. And for me, actually seeing you do your presentation on TO was one of the first investor presentations that I ever saw in, in this space. I think that was at an LD Micro back in 2011. You know, so I, it's been long, like I said, it's been a long time. Ago. So, you know, as, as you alluded to, the, you know, first things first here, for those who don't know the TO story, you know, what, what really led to your founding of TO in 1997 and what was the original problem you were looking to solve? Yeah. So because of that kind of the, the rise of the graphical internet and, and, and all the enthusiasm that was coming in, you know, um, and it, what, what started to happen at that time, of course, there were no smartphones. Um, and so access to uh, the internet um, in public locations uh, was, was something that, that, you know, didn't really exist um, except for public access internet kiosks. And so really when I founded the company, uh, the thesis was to enable that access and help sort of bridge the digital divide. You know, uh, there were some, you know, uh, lucky people that had it at home at that time. And, and, and there's some people that didn't even have it at home, right? And so the, the ability to, um, to, to, to enable people to, to access the internet, and, and there were some sort of verticalized sort of B2B solutions that we did for banks and 
you know, um, you know, different different sectors, and then there were sort of these generic public access uh, vehicles that we developed. You know, as you as you probably, if you're old enough, you'd remember the cyber cafe days. You know, you there'd be like retail locations where you'd walk oh, yeah. in, computers lined up everywhere, and so. Um, I remember one of our earliest products was cyber cafe management software, where we had a, you know, uh, a self-service uh, kiosk that would enable you to actually, you know, come up, put a bunch of cash in, and then it would power your cyber cafe cafe terminal. You then go there and sit down, and chapters, books, and a bunch of others folks uh, uh, were using these these systems of ours. Um, but what happened is we sort of, um, you know, developed a lot of you know management capabilities for self-service devices. And what we did is, be, as, as the internet became more commoditized, we started to evolve those deeper and deeper into B2B solutions. And then we developed bill payment kiosks that were um, incredibly useful for low to moderate income people who are, who are cash preferred, mainly in the United States. Um, they're still, believe it or not, a cash preferred uh, uh, you know, segment of the population there. It's, it's, it's obviously shrinking a bit now, but, um, you know, it, it was it's it's still quite stubborn. It's still quite large. There's still billions of dollars worth of cash that are that are transacted, and uh, and and so those those kiosks came in handy, and they you know they processed you know many billions of dollars worth of uh, uh, worth worth of cash uh, payments for you know your light bill or your cell phone bill, um, you know cell phone recharge, all kinds of different transactions, and uh, Tio was really. Um, Probably the market leader in that sort of self-service kiosk solution for, uh, uh, you know, for, for those types of last-minute payments in the United States at one point in time. Very cool. I mean, so what were what were some of the growing pains, you know, in the process of starting that out? And and I don't know if this ties in at all or not, but I mean, did is that some of the reasons why you ended up taking the company public earlier in its life cycle? Yeah, I mean, I, I took the company public early was because at the time in the late 90s when I started the business, there were, you know, there wasn't really a, a formidable VC, uh, um, you know, presence uh, here in Western Canada. And, and um, you know, there was some high net worth people once in a while that, that, that would give you money. Is, is there still? I don't, I don't right. know. <laughs> yeah, like... yeah I think it, was, it was not as well formed. Um, and, and I was a young guy, I mean, I was 22. So um, I, if, if there was, I didn't know where it was, but what was clear was that there was this, this kind of public venture capital and you still hear about it today. And we're, we're fortunate to have, you know, uh, the, 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 the venture exchange because it, it, it does allow micro cap companies to list and, and get going, um, you know, without a lot of, you know, uh, minimum requirements. So uh, I think that's really helped innovation here in Canada and, and I think continues to be a really important uh, part of the ecosystem. Um, yeah, so th that's that's how I you know I funded the company uh, to begin with, and we were we actually had our IPO I think in 1999, believe it or not, uh, and 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 the IPO was a, a full wholesome one million dollars. <laughs> that's my time. Aw, like you can hear everybody. <laughs> so. But I mean, you're 22 years old and now public company CEO. And we're talking about the venture even in 1999 in those days. I mean, still before my time, but from the stories I heard, it was like the wild, wild west. So, I mean, not only being 22 years old, being public company CEO, but being public company CEO on the TSX venture. I mean, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, it's it's exactly what you're, you're mentioning. It's it's uh, obviously the, the mining uh, guys were high flying and it was it was kind of exhilarating and somewhat frustrating to watch how you know, these incredible capital flows would come into these companies and lift their stocks and, and they would, you know, and you were like, they have nothing, you know, what do they have, you know? So, but I mean, of course, um, so much has tightened up uh, around around that industry and and, and obviously, uh, um, you know, it's, it's changed a lot. And, and I think, um, you know, rightfully so uh, in terms of protecting shareholders. Uh, you asked about, uh, you know, some of the some of the challenges in the early days. I think it was just, you know, here we are, a small uh, Canadian microcap story trying to become, uh, you know, important and, 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 and knowledgeable about, about the U.S. financial system and become players in the U.S. And I think that just took time. That took uh, a lot of relationship building. You know, um, part of it for me was, 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 was just getting out there. And, and frankly, I just started going to a lot of those U.S. conferences and shows and symposiums and press a lot of palms, talk to a lot of people, build build relationships. And eventually, 
you know, I, 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 I started to build relationships that really, um, you know, it, you, you get that first partnership, you get the second partnership, you kind of build brick by brick by brick, right? And so there was no, there was no shortcut. It was, uh, it, it was, it was definitely something that required a lot of painstaking hard work. And of course, there was no Zoom back there. So everything you did, you did on a plane, <laughs> and you, uh, uh, it, it was painstaking. Everything took took a long time. And 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 of course, any kind of connecting the dots with large financial systems and banks and getting to be known by them, you know, um, it, it, it just, everything took a lot of time. So uh, yeah, th those were the types of challenges, but we broke through and eventually, obviously the company became a multi-channel bill payment processor. It wasn't just the kiosk is sort of how we got our, 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 our way in there to demonstrate value. But eventually we were on mobile, online kiosk, you know, point of sale. Uh, you know, we had, you know, open architecture with third party a APIs uh, and it just became, a, 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 you know, anything that was sort of off bank processing we did and, 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 uh, and processing you know, many, many billions uh, of, of, of dollars a year. So what would you say was that big turning point then for TO Networks that, that saw grow from that micro cap to small cap, you know? And I, and I guess another question to throw on there is, you know, clearly when did the conversation start with PayPal? You know, for those who don't know, on February 14, 2017, by the way, a great Valentine's Day gift. Uh, Pay, PayPal announced that it would acquire uh, TO Networks for approximately 302 million Canadian, 238 million US. So, you know, what was that? What was that tipping point where the, these conversations started becoming more and more real? Yeah, I mean, um, really, really, what happened was uh, as the company grew its base of billing partners, it became more and more important to the ecosystem, and um, you know the company had a great culture of growth. I think we had something like 36 consecutive quarters of transaction revenue growth, which is all kind of, you know, highly reoccurring revenue, not exactly recurring revenue. Some of it was recurring, but it was like transactional revenue that was, that was highly predictable. So it was very attractive in today's terms, it would have been, you know, uh, probably a lot more valuable than what, what, what it was sold for. Um, it started to garner a lot of attention when we started to do more M&A, which made a lot of sense for the Canadian, if you consider the, 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 the Canadian investor, you know, as a catalyst junkie, they love, you know, sort of these, these events that, that demonstrate significant accretion and dilution, you know, like accretion when you consider the dilution in, in, in one shot. When, and, and we, you know, uh, became pretty good at being able to demonstrate that, um, hey, we just raised some money to buy this. Uh, it's trading you know, or, or valued in, in this way here, we're valued in another way. And, and you, you can tell that it's incredibly accretive to share capital. It's very good for shareholders. And I think learning how to do that, I was, I was fortunate to, to get a mentor um, uh, who's a fantastic capital allocator. And I just fell in love with the idea of, uh, of allocating capital to grow value um, in these sort of quantum events. And, um, and that helped a lot. I mean, within three years of starting our M&A program, we probably added uh, a quarter of a billion dollars worth of value to the company's, uh, um, you know, currency. So. That's great. I mean, who was your mentor, by the way? Oh, um, Steve Sadler of, uh, he's the uh, chairman and CEO of Edge House. Uh, he used to be, um, I think he's still uh, on the on the board of Open Text and you know responsible for uh, you know uh, M and A committee there. He was chairman and CEO of uh, GIAC. Uh, took that to you know over a billion dollars. Really, uh, a clever guy. I think probably one of the best software M and A people on the planet. It's just incredibly bright guy, and and uh, I was very fortunate to, uh, to to have him spend some time with me. And because of that, I try to be. Um, helpful to other entrepreneurs because um, you know it's always it's always great when someone takes the time and they don't need to they don't they don't get anything for it other than than than, than knowing that they've uh, been helpful to someone frankly right and paying it forward yeah no totally totally so so then all right well by the way we can totally see where the the groundwork for what you ended up doing with well health came in right right then and there but we'll get to that in just a second because i want to just i want to put the bow on on to and that acquisition so what was that day like gotta ask you made the announcement it happened yeah it's bittersweet Big deal. It's, it's 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 um you know 
the company was sort of about that stage of about 100 million in revenue and, and quite profitable. I think you're 15% uh, plus EBITDA margins and growing and and, uh, and and you know we felt really confident and um, but you know they're a great brand and uh, and and our board and, you know of course we have we have a board of directors and, and a special committee and there's all kinds of governance that goes into stuff like that. But yeah, I, I think it was, um, it was nice validation for what the team had created. And, um, and, and uh, you know, again, a bit bittersweet because it was such a long journey, but, um, but, but definitely, uh, you know, something great to, to share with your team. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that, that, that must've been a pretty, it, it, yeah, I can understand how it could be bittersweet though. At the same time, it's like since 1997 and probably even a little earlier than that, cause you thought of the idea. I mean, that's, was that 15 plus years of your life? You grew, you, you, you went from a, from a young man to a man. I mean, uh, starting family, I'm sure during that time, like it's, it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah, no, it, 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 it really is. Uh, and, and, um, it, you know, it, it's it's an entrepreneur's journey, right? I mean, it's never a straight line. And TO is not a straight line, and, and there were many frustrating points. And 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 you know, what I'm really proud of with TO is that we we didn't give up. We continued to uh, work hard every day, and we built a. It's a very unlikely story to build a U.S. fintech powerhouse from Vancouver. Uh, you know, not having the ability to kind of draw on. You know, subjects in your own country to, to to grow revenue and business. Always having to. I mean, I think I've been to forty-two of the fifty U.S. states. I've 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 traced. You know, like I've been everywhere. I've talked to everyone, and 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 that was just. Uh, I think a bit of a character-building exercise too. It, it was just, um, you know, th this 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 unbridled determination to to do whatever it takes to drive this business forward in the face of. You know whether it would be market concerns or uh, you know uh, any kinds of friction that, that you would encounter, and so I you know I just I learned a lot, and and I think one of the reasons why I really wanted to start well um, is because for many years you know I learned how to be a capital market CEO, and and when I look back now, um, I I can see all the mistakes that I made. I can see I can see you know how I could have made Teal work quicker, faster, better. Had I been, had I know all the things I know today, and I was like, well, I'm still healthy, I'm still relatively young. Why don't Why don't we do this again? And 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 for me, I I, I consider myself as a tech generalist, you know. Um, and so I, I've been uh, I've been involved with 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 obviously you know Tio, and and I I helped uh, start and and was early in broadband TV, which is another tech enablement of, of a media theme, and, and I'm still on the board, I'm the lead director there, and then uh, and then Wells tech tech enablement of wellness, so. You know, you're, you're financial, you have media, you have wellness, uh, and obviously, you know, healthcare. But but for me, healthcare it, it really what what TO means uncle in Spanish, and, and a big part of TO it was a, it was a purpose driven company. That's really what drew me and kept me at TO for as long as it did. Was we were saving low to moderate low to moderate income people hundreds of millions of dollars by the time we were done every year. Um, you know, these were people who, if they needed to wait to the last minute to pay their bill, they would go to like a Walmart or some retail location and and they would be charged 10 or 15 bucks just to pay their light bill and escape you know a disconnection fee and so we built last minute um you know real time or close to real time connections with these light companies and we would charge a dollar or two dollars or nothing because we get paid by the light company and that was a game changer that that saved enormous amounts of money for a very a very challenging group of people where, where combined household income was less than sixty thousand dollars and so i was really proud of that and i really liked the purpose aspect of of of, of the company but I, I was always itching to do more for them and, and it was hard I, I i had visions of to lending them money and you know doing a lot more um and and so that that you know to me that there is no bigger sector from an impact perspective than, than healthcare. I mean, everything you do by definition is designed to help people, um, you know, grow their longevity, you know, um, you know, help them be more, more, um, you know, healthy or, or, you know, uh, live long, you know, obviously longevity, live longer, or just, or just you know, be more comfortable. I mean, you think about when you have a health concern, you're at your most vulnerable. Um, you are scared. Um, and it's remarkable what healthcare, you know, 
frontline healthcare people do. They're there at, at a time that's most vulnerable for you. And tech enabling those people, helping them be more efficient, um, uh, helping them be you know, more capable, improving their chances of success is an incredibly gratifying thing to do. And so to, to me, that's what drew me into that area. And, and that's why I ultimately decided to, um, to start the company, drive the business and, and, and you know, be the CEO and, 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 and go, and go uh, after really with a, you know, uh, with a lot of vim and vigor. Right. Yeah. No, you, you hit on my next question because, you know, look, as you, as you said, you know, with Teal getting acquired, you know, how and why did you transition to, to your current role at Well Health Technologies in May, 2018? You know, I mean, why you clearly had in your head, I want to do something in healthcare because I want to not just give back, but find something that can truly have a positive impact on a lot of people. So yeah. why was Well the right deal for you as your next move? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I had started a company uh, uh, that was actually, you know, that actually preceded uh, Teal, um, you know, even being sold. That was that was involved in the wellness space, uh, and and because I was at Teal, I was I had hired a CEO, um, and and that was focused on uh, wellness beyond, like outside of the healthcare sector, and 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 it was it was focused in areas that that would help you uh, age gracefully, you know, so technologies like yoga, meditation, if you can call them technologies. Um, and, and when we were sort of re-evaluating re-eval- sort of the, and we had a partnership with Dr. Deepak Chopra and, and there was some interesting things we were doing, but when we were really evaluating where this business was going um, and, and, and how big it could be, what we realized is if we really wanna make an impact, um, you know, the, the, the real action is in, in healthcare, like not, not, not uh, sort of this, this you know, uh, offshoot of it in terms of, you know, uh, just, just general wellness business, but, but actually enabling practitioners. That's really what really excited us. And uh, uh, yeah, and, 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 and that's when I did, uh, there was some research that I did at the time that really pointed to the the lack of digitization and modernization in the space that frankly surprised me. And then, and then I started to integrate the knowledge with my own experience. I was like, oh yeah, like when I went to a clinic last, it was a terrible experience. It was not digital at all. Um, how long will that last for? Um, probably not long. I mean, someone's going to come in and disrupt and and uh, I'll say positively disrupt because you never want to come into healthcare and, and turn it on its ear, right? You, you know, there's 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 lots going on. You want you want you want there to continue to be, um, you know, whatever is working needs to work perfectly. But but you know. If you can come in and 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 change and provide change management and help tech enable, which again no sector evades digitization, and so knowing that that would happen and it hadn't happened yet was an enormous realization for me. It's like wow, this hasn't happened yet. Um, our experiences are going to change, and so what an opportunity to be involved in that. And, and this is what I love to do. I love to apply technology to sectors that that uh, haven't necessarily being fully modernized yet and be part of that uh that that sort of momentum and that progress and 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 you know hopefully benefit from it as well with a group of shareholders absolutely so then what what is this what is the thesis that you knew that if i hit these inflection points well will start to recognize fast growth and shareholder value and by fast i i mean since taking the job as ceo and on may 23rd 2018 with the stock closed at around 58 cents. And as of yesterday, we're recording this on April 14th, but as of close of yesterday, April 13, 2021, the stock closed at, I think it was $7.60. So you're looking at approximately 1,210% increase. I, I think my math is correct. Either way, it's, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> so, you know, what was that thesis that you knew if I hit these inflection points, well, we'll start to recognize fast growth and shareholder value. Well, I guess because of my experience at Teo, I started to understand what shareholders were looking for. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, I think what you see a lot of times in micro cap and small cap companies is, is management teams raise a lot of money and they, and they really pursue what I call a sizzle strategy. And they're like, hey, I don't need revenues. Um, I need to be in this business that everyone's talking about. And, and all I need to do is throw my hat in the ring and I need to show traction. And I need to show progress in these areas. And, 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 and the moment I start talking about revenue and EBITDA, 
you know, people will will think I'm, you know, uh, you, you know, th that that's somehow, um, you know, does not have a place in 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 this industry. And 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 my view is you need you need sizzle, but you also need steak. <laughs> and so, um, and 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 the entrepreneurs that have been able to demonstrate not only an opportunity to participate in the exciting aspects of an industry, but also show real revenue and margin progression. Um, you know, that's what really starts to get people excited. Um, because eventually, as you know, um, these industries come in and out of favor. And what the only thing that really endures is, you know, the, the numbers, the numbers, right? I mean, and what do the numbers look like? What is the top line? What is the bottom line? What is you know, there's this sort of rule of 40 that bankers look at a lot of times, you know, in terms of the growth rate and the, and the bottom line profitability percentage equal, equaling to, to, to 40 for technology companies. Um, and, um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I think what, what, what we did it well was really be focused on making sure that while, yes, digital health is great and we need to be participating in areas that are experiencing that, that burgeoning growth and interest, you know, you know, what other, you know, bona fide, you know, KPIs could we really hang our hat on to demonstrate that these things were working, our revenue was progressing. And, and, and so that informed our M&A and corporate development plan, our upgrading plan. And so, and if you look at the business, I mean, the, the numbers, uh, sure, we haven't been bottom line profitable in the first couple of years. Um, but, you know, the losses weren't that great, right? Um, they're they're pretty they're pretty reasonable, and and in 2020, just the year that just finished, um, we we're pretty much break even on an adjusted EBITDA basis. Um, you know, so basically our our, our third year uh, of operations, and and I'm I'm really proud of that. And 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 now of course Q4 was profitable, and we expect profitability moving forward, and so. To me, that's when you start attracting more of the institutional base of investors that are are really buying into a management team's discipline, and um, and that's ultimately what 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 a lot of these people do. And obviously, they have a lot of criteria. But uh, I always tell our team, you know, you have to think of a stock as a product. You know, go to a go to a supermarket and look at the thousands of products that sit on shelves. That's that's that that can be analogous to uh, to, to, to what's going on in the stock market. There's just so much to pick from. So how do you differentiate? How do you leap off that shelf, uh, for, for shoppers or investors? Um, and, and, and to me, a big part of that is the trust that you engender as a management team. Uh, and, and, and everything goes into that, you know, whether it's discussions like today's, it's every shred of disclosure, every decision that you make, comp decisions for yourself. Uh, I'm not taking a salary at well uh, uh, just yet. You know, everything that I've done, I've, I've been taking it into restricted stock. I put in, you know, uh, $6 million plus of my own capital. I've participated in, in every round that a, a management has been uh, um, allowed to participate in. So, you, you know, when you show an alignment with, with your shareholders and you show that, hey, I'm a shareholder too. I don't have a different way that I'm going to make money from you. We're all in this together and we're making decisions that will enhance shareholder value. That's, that's really when you start to, I mean, trust is something that, 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 that's gained very slowly and lost very quickly. <laughs> yeah. and, so, and so I was fortunate at TO to also struggle for a long time and build a lot of trust with a lot of people that were like, man, this guy just won't go away. This guy just keeps trying and keep trying and keep and this is why I think well um, hit the ground so so quickly with analyst coverage. I mean, we had ten analysts cover in the first couple of years, and a lot of that was I know that guy. He's he's either going to make this successful or he's going to die trying, <laughs> right? And so I think I think that's a big part of uh, um, you know the journey and 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 why and why um, you know why we ended up where we where we did here with well. And if there's one thing that you know you you can always live with is like if that's my reputation I have amongst the financial community, I'm good. You know, <laughs> I mean that that right there is everything. Well, it, it it is because it's without that trust, 
it's hard to raise money. And and yeah, if you don't have it, um, you know, and, and you're and you're you've got good ideas and you know, people will take a chance on you. Uh um but um but you know it's 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 just it's just a bit harder and and uh um, gotta perform. Yeah, you gotta yeah. perform. Exactly, exactly. Bottom line, right? Like you just put your money where your mouth is, just go do it. Here's all about performance. Yeah. Yep. All right. So now, now I'm getting into part two of, of our, our, of our interview today, which is kind of our, my, my, uh, now that we have the full background, your experience and where you're at today with wealth, you know, I, I had a few public company CEO general questions. So, you know, as a CEO of a publicly traded both micro cap and now small cap company with wealth, you know, with a fast growing business, how did you, how, and how do you currently balance the responsibilities of business operator and CEO? Um, Excellent question because you know Well is positioned as a capital allocator um, in the tech-enabled healthcare space, and so we think about the question you just asked a lot because it, it is the very essence of why we can buy as many as many companies as we can as as we do, and 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 how we are able to you know fit them in, ensure that they that they operate properly post transaction, and a big part of that is our decentralized business unit structure. Um, you know, we kind of refer to ourselves, aspirationally speaking, as like the Berkshire Hathaway of tech-enabled healthcare. And, and breaking down that statement, Berkshire Hathaway is a holding company run by Mr. Buffett designed to invest in great businesses, but not change their management. It's to, it's to you know, give them a safe place where they can continue to execute on their business plan. These aren't broken companies. They're, they're healthy companies that are coming into his into his sort of orbit, uh, and I'm sure they somehow benefit from it. But for the most part, they're just kind of operating as is. And um, and when they need capital, they go to you know uh, they, they go to Mr. Buffett and, and, and his team. And, and that is really one of the only things that centralized at Berkshire Hathaway is the allocation of capital. Otherwise, so much is 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 uh, you know uh, um, delegated to uh, that CEO or that management team. And I think. Um, what what that does when you when you create a culture where you're bringing in leaders and you're empowering them and you're and they're not micromanaging them is that in, it, that engenders a trust that okay I want to be here I'm empowered as opposed to you know okay I, I did this transaction and I I joined this business and I can't wait to get out because I can't create anymore I can't develop the business the way I want to anymore and that's what leaders really want to do so I think I think um, operationally speaking. Uh, we really believe in the idea of, of uh, the ideals of empowering leaders to be leaders. And, and we try to centralize as few of, of things as we possibly can. Um, you know, um, capital allocation is certainly one of those things, whether it's for uh, corporate development or just investments in, in OPEX so that you can grow. Uh, and we have hurdle rates. We have a lot of sophistication around how we structure these types of things. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I, I, I'm going to get to my my next question here. I, I was going to ask you about another a balance question, but we'll get back to that because you're you're starting to talk about something that you really laid the groundwork at TO, which was this idea of MA and how you go about your capital allocation strategy, in particular for that those corporate developments, right, and bringing in new companies in, into the fold. So, with well in particular, and and really just in general, also. What would you say is that capital allocation strategy and, and how do you evaluate potential acquisitions to bring them in? You know, I, I know the company recently announced the CRH acquisition, so I'm sure, you know, th there's a lot that went into that. Well, conceptually, um, an acquisition has to be sort of accretive on, on three vectors. It has to be financially accretive. Um, it has to be strategically accretive, which to us means that we have to obtain something um, that we didn't have before you know some some advantage some platform extension some 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 kind of benefit beyond the financial accretion and then third it has to be culturally creative we can't we can't become less less of a of, of a of a desirable culture because we did this acquisition we have to be more desire you know we, we have to bring people into the company that we're um, really excited about bringing in um, and, and so, so that's, that's sort of what it is at the highest levels. Now, when you kind of, you know, get, get a little bit deeper, 
we have a, a number of different criteria and now we have you know watch lists and target lists by business unit so we have a business unit that's focused on uh, patient services um, you know what we call our, our our clinical division and this is the one where we first started uh, that one has very defined EBITDA ranges it has you know a lot of different criteria that we've learned and we're always integrating knowledge so we're always taking you know learnings from you know our quarterly results or what's going on in the business and then we integrate that into our criteria that's what a really good culture a learning growing culture does is it is always informing its 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 way of doing business and so it's getting pretty good in terms of knowing um you know uh, how to structure deals how to keep leaders incentivized how to do deals that that we feel you know you know uh drive the currency of the company and um uh, yeah, and 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 that's uh, and obviously, as you can imagine, you know, uh, we have a we have a digital apps division that's very focused on platform technologies and a lot of SaaS revenue. And of course, you're not going to see exact alignment in terms of, of of multiples between you know clinical patient services and and platform technologies. Um, and and so and so that's why it has to sort of be. Um, you know that focused and and refined where where you, you are you are looking at this differently but um but i think that's what's really also unique about well is that it's a it's a healthcare technology healthcare company that is not just engaged in platform technologies that power other people's practitioners it has hundreds of practitioners we are a healthcare company delivering very significant number of of patient visits in fact if you look at our business update from a few days ago late late in march we're, we're closing in on um, it, it, it for that for that quarter. I think we did a, a quarter to date uh, um, number wh where we had we had been close to about half a million patient visits that we had enabled either through our platform or through our own practitioner uh, through our own practitioners network. And and that we just don't know anyone that's anywhere close to those types of numbers. And that was just for the quarter, uh, which would infer millions for the year. And 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 you know we could continue to add to that, um, and, and that would that would not even that would not even acknowledge our billing business or our EMR business or our cybersecurity business. So as you can imagine, Well is becoming um, you know quite a force uh, in terms of, of of being able to to again you know empower practitioners um, you know uh, that are on our team and outside of our our business clear across the country with telehealth with physical and person clinics, with all kinds of different practitioner tools and, 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 and digital enablements. Very good, very good there. So, you know, um, now my, my, my second balance question that I had to I have to ask you, and you, you talked about this a little bit earlier when you were talking about the grind from 97 until, until sale in 2017 with TO, and then also, you know, still, I mean, you're still doing events, right? You're here right now, <laughs> but how would you, how did you balance focusing on company performance versus telling both the TO and well health stories to the investing public? You know, what, how did you balance that? Were there times where you're like, let's just keep performing or, or at this, or at the same time, like, no, we need to keep balancing, doing stuff like this and, and, and also just performing. Yeah. Well, the balance comes from this notion that you just have to do both, um, but it's not elegant. I think what a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to create this perfect plan. And, and I, I love the quote from Mike Tyson and where it says, yeah, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. And guess what? You wake up and you go to work and things happen that are uh, akin to being punched in the face and you're like oh shoot I didn't I didn't see that coming along so what do I do now the answer is you do whatever it takes and and so you do whatever it takes to run your company properly and you do whatever it takes to um, ensure that your capital market strategy is going in the right direction now obviously that all entails bringing in other people and 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 trusting them and empowering them and and and, and ensuring that um, you know your company is is is, is executing in, in a quality way. You know one person can't do, you know, everything or anything for that matter. You know, one, you know, um, and and so I I, I think I think it's um yeah it, it, obviously you you strive for balance. You know there's 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 ways that you think about what the ideal amount of time would be to spend on capital markets matters, and you can sort of look back and say how much time have I spent, but. 
But I found that it wasn't elegant. I found that at times you would have to spend a lot of time and a lot of energy and, 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 uh, and, and worry about it a lot or act a lot. And then, and then at times, you know, it would ebb and flow and, 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 and you know, you'd really be focused on the business and there were sort of some incredibly important, you know, deals or situations that you need to kind of get through and power through. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's what I found. I think that's a great, that's a great way of looking at it. It's like, it, you know, there's, you can talk about balance all you want and, you know, obviously you have your ideal of what that balance would be, but at the same time, like if you're on vacation and it's your first vacation in three years and you get that call, guess what? You're taking that damn call. Most likely. It is what it is. Most it likely. is what it is. <laughs> so uh, another another pubco type question that I got for you, you know, what with having two public companies, uh, you know, what what was your thought process when putting together your board of directors? How did you think about that? Yeah, you know, I, I found that with the board and, and I, I I personally think a lot of people um, just choose for the splashiest name that they possibly can get and they put it on their board and and i never had that view i mean i i i think that we have really great people on our uh, 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 that that are on to's board and, and obviously you need people that are accomplished and who are um notable um but i think we, what's what's more important than just finding you know the the, the person that you have you know uh, come into contact with that has the the splashiest name is that you actually have a good relationship with them. Um, and I think it's a combination of how notable and smart are they and, and how, how, how workable relationship do I have with them? How culturally aligned am I with them? If, if you don't integrate that, that last vector in there in, in terms, you know, you, you could be in for a world of hurt. I mean, especially, you know, very smart people, once you put them in a, in a role like a board and, and they have fiduciary duty to, um, you know, to the company. And if you don't see eye to eye with them, um, you know, they're going to be working against you. Um, and not because they want to, but because, you know, you didn't take the time to understand whether or not there's alignment there in terms of, you know, cultural values in terms of how to grow the business. And, you know, and these are not, you know, these are not conversations that are, that are difficult to have. I mean, it, you can have them over, you know, two or three or four sessions, you know, it's, it doesn't take years. Sometimes those are the best ones to put on your board because you know them so well and they know you so well. And you know that when, you know, you know, the proverbial punch in the face comes into the company and the board sitting there and coming up with strategies of how to deal with this, you know, you have someone there that, that, that you trust and they trust you and you're all kind of working together, you know, shoulder to shoulder. So I've always used that as a way, you know, I, 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 when I talk to them of, of evaluating, you know, what would be a, what would be a great board member? You know, obviously someone really smart, someone with great accomplishments, but, you know, can I get along with them? What are they, how do they think about growth? You know, I'll read about stuff that, that, that they've written or said or interviews or whatever. And, and, um, uh, and preferably if I had an opportunity to work with them you know, in advance or, or have other conversations with them outside of a board context. So again, always integrating information and, 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 and getting uh, the view of, of just, you know, what's this going to be like in good times and bad times. And, and I'm, yeah. yeah, no, no. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I mean, especially with your capital allocation strategy, when you're looking at so many deals and, and doing a lot of M&A, that board of directors is so vital. Yeah. So vital to everything that you do. I'm sure. I'm sure that comes into your, your mind all the time when you're thinking about a new deal. You're like, okay, what will the board say? Absolutely, absolutely. And 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 of course, we do a lot of deals now. So, um, you know, there, it doesn't. There's just so many deals that it doesn't make sense for the board to opine on every single one to a, to, a, to, a, to a very deep degree. But of course, you know, um, especially any kind of material event for the company, um, you know, it's, it's, it's great to have a strong board because, you know, um, they'll, they'll find your blind spots. They'll bring them up. They'll ask you questions and it makes you better, you know? And so I, I'm really fortunate to have uh, a board that does that for me. And so I've, I've definitely grown and, and, uh, and the company's better for it as a result. Very good. All right, Hamed, we're rounding the corner here. I only have a few more questions for you, but here's here's going to be your, your thought leader type questions. So I hope you're ready for these. Here we go. So, so 
What, what, what would you say has been the biggest learning lesson being CEO of a publicly traded microcap and now small cap company? I listen to me and, and you may have heard me say this before. It's, it's the importance of leadership. It's um, at the end of the day, whether or not it's a public company, it's a private company, you know, you're in a role where um, people are following you. They are. And, and I think, you know, you're, you're, you're everything that you do, they're watching every, your every move and, and you can't lose your cool. You have to be measured. You have to be strategic. You have to be humble. Um, no one wants to work for some braggadocious fool, you know? Um, and, 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 you know, uh, you, you know, you, you just have to be thoughtful about all the different ways in which, um, you know, your business is growing and how, you know, whether it's uh, people process, you know, capital, um, you know, strategy and, and, you know, you know, creating buy-in, making decisions in such a way that engender trust. Um, everything that happens in your company is an opportunity. It could be a terrible thing that happened. It's still an opportunity. It's an opportunity to create more trust with your team. It's an opportunity to create, you know, relationships with analysts. Um, you know, there, there, there are management teams that freak out when bad things happen and they disappear and no one can get a hold of them. Well, that's the worst thing you can do. Um, yeah, it may feel comfortable um, to do that because you don't have to answer a bunch of hard questions, but that's actually, those are the moments where you can engender real, you know, trust and, and, and create relationships when things aren't going well, right? So that comes from, um, I think, you know, truly uh, aligning yourselves with, you know, um, the, the, you know, principles of leadership, you know, and, and uh, not, not trying to make populist decisions that are just going to help, you know, going to boost your, 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 your kind of profile for the moment, uh, but making good decisions that you know are sustainable. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think for me, I'm a student of leadership. I think about how do I be a better leader every day? Um, and that's why I study great leaders and, and, uh, you know, and, 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 and I, and I think it's really, um, you know, you've probably heard me say this before. I think it's a currency. Leadership is a currency that used to solve problems. And, and that's because great leaders are resourceful. And, and th that, um, so you can acquire resources or you can be resourceful and resources, being, finding resourceful leaders is, is, is probably one of the best things you can do for a business. And, uh, and yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that's, that's a big part of how, how I think about, uh, you know, my journey and, and, and uh, you know, answer your question. Very good. All right. So my final question for you today, then, you know, what advice do you have for CEOs of private companies looking to go public as a microcap or, or new CEOs of publicly traded microcap companies where this is their first gig? Um, you know, I think, I think when you just, just understanding that when you go public, you are signing up to a much more, you know, public role as a leader. And so that's going to test you in different ways. Uh, it's still, um, you know, it's, 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 it's still a lot of the same things. You got to run your company, you got to grow it, but now you have to do it with providing disclosures, understanding that there's a level of transparency that's required. That's very different to what private companies have to endure. And, and that rigor and that discipline is, is, is at first hard. It's, is a lot there's a lot that you have to think about, but I think it's very good for a management team to develop that rigor and discipline. It gets them into planning. It gets them to thinking about, you know, what they're doing. And, and um, I always found talking to smart people, whether it's investors, you know, uh, brokers, um, you know, high net worth people, analysts, whatever, you know, different, different factions of the capital markets that, that those conversations always re helped refine my strategy because they would, you know, these, these are people from all walks of life and they would ask you great questions. You would say, gosh, yeah, that's a really good question. And you would answer them, but then, but then, you know, each time there's like a bunch of seeds that get planted in your mind and they start to grow. And, and so, um, so if it, you just have to realize that, that it takes a different mindset, you have to be willing to talk to a lot of people. You can't, if, if you're more of an introvert and you want to put your head down and develop technology and surprise everyone with a breakthrough product, I'm not sure, and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to get out there and, and, and talk to a bunch of people, 
you know, I'm, I'm not sure you can just say, gosh, you know, I, I'll go public because I want to raise the money and I'll just hire people to do the capital markets. It, 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 I'm not sure it fully works that way. It, it, maybe it can at times, but, you know, capital markets wants to talk to um, business leadership and they want to um, at times know exactly who is running that company and, and the quality of decisioning that's coming from that person. And the only way uh, that they'll get there is, is, is by having those conversations. And so, you know, it's, it's just a different, it's a different world. Um, one, one that I, I quite like, again, I think, I think more often than not, yes, there, there, there are sharks in these waters <laughs> and, and they don't, they're not, some of them are not well-intentioned, but I think most people are very well-intentioned. Most people yeah. want to help. Most people are rooting for you. Um, and, and yes, you could sort of go into your shell and decide that everyone's out to hurt you and, and you're gonna protect the company and, and, and be very sparing and limited in terms of your communication. But I just think you're hurting yourself ultimately because there's most of the ecosystem is, is helpful and, and, uh, and, and, and wants to see you succeed. So that's what I found. I think that's a great way to end it right there. So Hamed, where can my audience go and find more information about well health? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, you can just go to our website at um, www.well.company. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, that, that, that provides a good jump off point for, you know, different divisions and assets. And obviously Google's a great place too. You can just uh, type in whatever you want. Well health, telehealth, you know, well health clinics. I mean, our telehealth business is called Tia Health here in Canada. It's called Circle Medical in the US. Um, so we have, you know, different divisions, leaders and assets and uh, all kinds of great um, you know, businesses and people in our, in, our, uh, in our ecosystem. Very good. Hamed, this was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to do this with me today and to share your insights and your experience with everybody listening right now or watching. And uh, uh, good luck, stay safe, and I look forward to our next update. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, Robert. Really insightful questions. It was it was a lot of fun to chat. Thank Look you. To seeing you. Take care. Take care.